a pain enduring, suffering persevering love. Hello and welcome to the Root Together podcast, the podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word together. I'm your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we are in Matthew chapter 27. As the sun rose, what was done in secret has now been revealed. Jesus, bloodied and arrested, mocked and beaten, is now taken to a Roman governor. Judas's betrayal has led him to great sorrow in the taking of his own life as the sun glittered off of the 30 pieces of silver, the price for his loyalty. Even in the purchase of a field paid with blood money, this was and will be the fulfillment of prophecy. You see, in this chapter, Jesus is our Messiah, lifted up on a cross and held there not by nails, but by the love for his people. He endured the pain and the mockery to drink the cup of wrath that should be for you and for me, so that we who are far from God might be brought near. So let's look at let's look at parts of this chapter here. Jesus before his accusers, verses one through thirty-one. You see, Jesus now faces the Sanhedrin. They bring him to the governor. He's been on trial with them, and now they usher him into the governor Pilate. And Jesus remains quiet as his accusers in the Sanhedrin lie to the governor, charge after charge after charge. And all Jesus says throughout the entire ordeal is when Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? He simply says, you say so. That's about all Jesus says, at least according to Matthew or all that Matthew records. And Pilate is amazed by his attitude in the face of such accusations. But he's not convinced that he's innocent. Or let's say he's convinced he's innocent, but not convinced he's going to survive the day. So he gives the people a choice, as he commonly did this time of year. Jesus the Christ, the one who who loved the least, he taught and he healed people. Or Barabbas, the murderous revolutionary. Who would they choose? The choice seemed easy. It should have been easy. This is Pilate's way of trying to help the people not kill Jesus, of his way of not shedding innocent blood on his own hands. And yet, they choose a man who is a killer over a man of peace. The people want Barabbas. And this is the same choice that we make every time we choose to sin instead of loving Jesus. Sin has led them to hate to a hate that says, kill him. And our sin is our choice of the murderous revolutionary over the Savior. Sin is us choosing Barabbas instead of choosing Christ. So understand the sin, the seriousness of sin. It's no little thing. It's no simple mistake. It has great consequences and it costs the Son of God everything. It is the same choice that they made. 
and they want him dead. They shout, crucify him as Pilate continues to plead for Jesus's case and eventually washing his hands saying that his blood will not be on me. So after washing his hands, he orders that Jesus be crucified really to pacify the crowd. And this Matthew records to uphold the fact that Jesus was wholly, truly, fully innocent. He was the innocent one of God crucified for us. He did not deserve the cross. Even Pilate sees this, but he pacifies the crowd anyway. It is the love of God that held him there. It is the love of God that put him there. So understand that even as the blood of sin mars us, it is the blood of Christ that heals us and offered healing even for his accusers. Jesus on the cross, verses 32 through 56 Jesus is placed on a bloody Roman cross after being beaten and mocked by the Roman guards. He's placed between two criminals or two revolutionaries, and he endures the pain of the cross and the pain of insults that were hurled at him by both the criminals and the people who passed by. There was a theme throughout all the mocking of save yourself. If you're truly the son of God, come down here. And yet Jesus could have. He could have saved himself. He could have gotten off that cross. You see, it's not nails that held Jesus on the cross. The guards did not deter him from coming down from the cross. It was love. It was the willing submission to the plan of the Father that held him on the cross. A pain-enduring, suffering, persevering love that should leave us breathless. And speechless. Today, just take some time to sit in awe of the love that was displayed on the cross. When Jesus gives up his breath, the one who had breathed life into all things now breathes his last. The earth quakes and the curtain torn from top to bottom. God had torn down the divider between us and him. The dead saints were raised. Even the Roman guard proclaims the truth that he truly was the Son of God. You see, Jesus' death was no accident. It accomplished everything he set out to do. He made a way for us to commune with God together. Again, the promise of life, now a reality for those who choose to follow Christ, and those who are far from God have been brought near. Jesus is buried in verses 57 through 66. A believer got the body, a believer named Joseph, who was a, is listed by Matthew as one who had followed Jesus, at least on the outskirts, but he was a true believer in Jesus, and he placed Jesus in his tomb, his new tomb. And the women saw the tomb. And that's not an insignificant fact when you consider some of the early criticism for the, to explain the resurrection of Jesus. One of the things you'll hear some atheists misguidingly say, and really they're missing an entirety of evidence here. They say, well, perhaps the women went to the wrong tomb and just they saw an empty tomb and thought, oh man, he must have risen again. But really, they had just gone to the wrong place. Well, 
there's a lot of evidence from Matthew that suggests that's just not a reality. You, you can't make that argument from the context of the story, which is our source on the matter. The women saw the tomb, and I think Joseph of Arimathea probably knew where his own tomb was as well. And the Pharisees knew where the tomb was. Don't miss that fact. They go to Pilate and say, we need some guards because here's the deal. He said he'd rise again in three days, and we're worried that his people would come and steal his body and say he resurrected, and and then we're going to be in a worse place than we are now. They're partly right because once he resurrects, you can't stop that movement. However, they do place guards. So the Pharisees knew where the tomb was. There were guards guarding the tomb. Everything to say they didn't just simply walk to the wrong tomb. What's about to happen in the next chapter is something that is of God and God alone. They put guards on the outside the shirt to ensure that no one would break in. And I love this. That's no problem. But they didn't plan to keep Jesus in. The tomb pressed and sealed with guards, but in three days' time, that seal would be broken and the guards run away. For now, in chapter 27, we leave Jesus in death, resting on the Sabbath from the work of salvation. But he is not done yet. He was not done yet. He is not done yet today. He is still in the work of redeeming a lost world to himself. And I love the fact that the story is not over here. Jesus is not dead, the end. That death is merely the beginning of an even greater story. But take some time today. Reflect on the love of Jesus displayed on the cross, the foreshadowing of a glorious resurrection in the last part of chapter 27, and the hope that is to come in chapter 28. Thank you for joining me in Rooted Together, and I look forward to joining you in chapter 28 of Matthew next time. I'll see you there.